Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of Sunday Talk for November 20th, 20, yeah, 2022. Uh, it's been a long couple weeks. Anyway, I am your host, Alexander Mars, and welcome to my podcast. I'm glad you are here and listening and I hope you find it very entertaining and at the same time educational. You learn some stuff. If you don't know, like I said, my name is Alexander Mars, and I talk about my life being disabled. Besides trying to get my novel, my novel ready to be published. So anyway, and if if you're new, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's been a while since I did a podcast episode. Crazy things have been going on in my life. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And it's going to get a little bit more crazy. Um, my apologies for not getting back so soon. I've had a lot of different things. I had, um, on November the 4th, I had, I had surgery. There was complications. And I've been recovering from that. Um. I've been dealing with some other issues in my life and it's just, it's just like, oh my goodness, it will ever stop. But it will eventually. Um, so yeah, I've been dealing with things about the complications, you know, it's when you're dealing with medical stuff, it's never like, it's like you've, if you were watching like me, I'm the fan of the resident and you know, they, they solved the problems with an hour, you know. But, you know, it doesn't work that way in real life. It takes going from one doctor to another doctor to another doctor. And so, yeah, I'll be talking more about what's going on when I get some more information. Um, So, yeah, I'm just right now keeping that information to myself at this point. So, you know, and I would appreciate it um, if, if you... If you believe in the power of prayer, I can use all the prayers I can get. Um, I sure do need a lot of wisdom in the next coming weeks about certain decisions I'm going to have to make. And I may have to make some pretty difficult ones. So I would I would appreciate that. And also for my family as well. This is not, this is not going to be an easy time what's coming down the pike if, if what I've been told is true. What I mean is, uh, what I've been told is true. It's just, I'm just going through the stages of accepting certain things, but talking more about that later, but not in this episode. Um, so right now I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving and having dinner with my family. Hopefully I can have dinner with my extended family. I don't know, just a lot of different things are going on. Um, I had someone recently just get really sick in my family too as well and getting over that. So a lot of things of my plans for Thanksgiving are still up in the air. So I've got plan A and I got plan B. Uh, plan A is to go and, and spend time with family and plan B is just to stay home with the immediate family and have a nice dinner here. It's one of those things. I've kind of learned to be flexible and doing what I need to do. So, yeah, I'm dealing with that. So, anyway, I'm not going to sit here and waddle on stuff that I can't really talk about just yet because I don't really know what's going on. Uh, Good idea. 
if it sounds like um, in this episode that I'm tired and in pain, yes, I am tired and in pain. So, so that's, if I just sound a little different, that's why. It's just one of those things. Oh, I had to readjust. So anyway, what I'm going to be talking about in this episode, um, in this podcast episode is, um, as you know, I'm dyslexic. Um, I've got, I've been diagnosed with dyslexia. I have diagnosed myself with area. I found a place here locally for me that I may try to see if I can get reevaluated again and see if they can test me for actually get a proper diagnosis of area. So I'm going to try to do, do that in the coming weeks or beginning of the new year. One of the two. Just depends what's going on. Um, just depends on a lot of different things, but that's one of my goals. If I don't get get accomplished this, maybe next year, just depends. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about, like I said, dysgraphia, my battles with it, my struggles with it, and that's what I'm going to be talking about in my next segment. And I think it's something, um, if you know a person or a child that's dysgraphia, um, dyslexic and they have trouble reading, they should be evaluated for dyslexia, uh, gra- dysgraphia area. Um, reading and writing are like, like I said, are like symbiotic twins and you, they can be by themselves independently, but they work better together. And if one person's having a problem reading, it's going to affect their writing sometimes. Not always, but it's always good to know. So this is one of the reasons why I'm talking about it. I don't think there's enough, um, people are not talking, people are starting to talk about it a lot more. I've noticed, especially on social media, and I'm glad to see that. I'm very happy, but I think a lot more needs to be talked about. Um, just, you know, like how do you get evaluated and all that stuff like, so I'm going to be working on that see what I can find out and talk about that because I think that's very important. So anyway, I'm going to cut my opening here and we're going to go on to my next segment and I'm going to talk about the area and I hope you join me there and I'll see you over there. Toodles! Alright, welcome to this segment and I'm going to be talking about the area and welcome. So yeah, so I'll be discussing the... Um, let me start this again. I'm just really exhausted right now. I will be discussing the scrappy area and in my invisible barrier and how it affected me. It affected my learning when I was attending school. So fun, fun. School was not that fun for me, by the way. So when I entered the fourth grade, um, everything changed for me. And the lessons became much harder for me because I couldn't prove what I what I had learned. This is what I remember when I'm going to school. When I entered the fourth grade, like I said, everything really became harder. The pressure started building even more than it did in the previous grade levels. I don't know. It was just like... As I've talked to parents who have homeschooled and teachers throughout the year, I've, I've discovered that fourth grade is the kind of, when I was in school, the kind of grade that everything 
what you learned from kindergarten through third grade all got combined and that's what you should have known and that's where things take off and so I really struggled in the fourth grade and that's when I really began to really notice the invisible barrier in my head like I understood what the teacher was talking about I just had a hard time proving what I knew and that really caused me to struggle just add on the pressure so anyway so anyway so my writing became more difficult and took me a lot longer to complete my lessons and my homework there were times that my hand and fingers were hurting and I had a tough time I had a difficult time gripping the pen gripping the pencil and the fourth grade teacher assumed it was the RA there were days that was true but it wasn't all of it yeah so if you're new to my podcast I was diagnosed with actually my original diagnosis was juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and I was diagnosed around age seven so you have to remember I grew up in a I grew up in a time where there was no technology technology was just starting to come out um, there wasn't like why you know like what we have today like social media Wi-Fi dictation um, books on tape you know well there was book on tapes but that was really expensive and they were hard to get and that was such a rare thing back then too as well but <clears throat> so there was nothing and so basically I was like just stuck in the system with no flexibility basically and there was days that was true that was I remember days where my hands my knuckles would hurt and it was hard for me to write but then there was days that I was fine you know my my joints were fine and I was still having a hard time proving of what I knew and so so my teacher just assumed it was an RA and I think a lot of people back then assumed because a lot of people didn't talk about being dyslexic didn't talk about having a reading problem didn't talk about having a writing problem didn't talk about having a math problem the stuff was kept secret you didn't talk about it um, if you had connections to get help and then you write people who could diagnose you it was wonderful but I didn't have that luxury in my life when I was growing up as a kid so anyway you know so I remember the teacher I, I remember the teacher parents conference and the teacher was explaining to my mother that my handwriting suddenly became sloppy and it was difficult to, to read my work my handwriting was my handwriting was so bad that my teacher talked to my previous third grade teacher and as she explained that when I was in the third grade my handwriting wasn't sloppy my teacher noticed that I was requiring more and more was I was requiring more I was requiring more time to complete my assignments she was looking at she was looking at my mother hoping my mother had some magic answers and I think my mother was just stunned yeah yeah uh yeah i was looking back i i remember my teachers always wanting my mother's answers and my mother was like um you're supposed to give me the answers to all this yeah 
So, yeah. And I would also say, too, to be, to, to be honest, also the fourth grade was also the time, too, that um, the RA was becoming a lot more aggressive. I, I remember that because I remember my joints being in pain quite more as I entered. I don't know why. It was just like fourth grade work became water, harder and the RA became more aggressive. And so it did, like I said, I do believe part of the RA was doing part of the homework, you know, affecting the writing. But also, too, I had a hard time expressing my thoughts, um, writing letters correctly, even on my good days. And I had a hard time really expressing my, myself on paper. You know, I could go tell the teacher what I knew, and the teacher would be like, oh, go write that down. And I was like, well, yeah, if I can remember the time I got back, but that was due to the ADD, didn't know about that at the time. So, yeah, it was really, it was really a difficult time, fourth grade. Really? You gotta do this now? Hold on, I gotta take care of my cat. Okay, I am sorry about that, but my cat was with me and he decided that he wanted to leave. <sighs> Life with animals. What can I say? I wouldn't have it any other way either. So, like I was saying, it was just everything was just, it was just, it was just the grade. And I remember that everything really changed for me. So, basically, yeah. So, getting back to my notes. So, here's my teacher admitting that there's a problem and hitting around to my mother for a solution. It wasn't her job to offer the solutions, or at least from my point, you know, at least from, at my point, my mother, at least point my mother in the right direction where she could discover the answers. It was just really insane. I, I, I remember this was a scene, especially in grade school. It was like they were expecting my mother to have the information, what they needed. And she didn't have it because she didn't know what she needed to tell them. I mean, it was really, it was crazy because we were, you have to remember, I was growing up in a time where... <laughs> People didn't like to see, even in, even when I was growing up, especially the older generations, they didn't like to see people with disabilities, unfortunately. That's my take, because I remember how I felt. And there wasn't really a lot of information even to help me with my diagnosis, even to help my parents with the diagnosis with um, having an RA at such a young age. Um, I remember when my mom took me to see a pediatrician, <laughs> that was a joke, and just basically said, here, have, have her to do these exercises and she'll be fine, was basically what, was I, what I remember. Um, and yet those exercises really hurt my hands, you know, hurt my arms and stuff like that. It was really crazy things. 
And I, I remember getting in quite a few arguments with, with my with my dad about those. Um, it was just really insane because, but there wasn't hardly any medication. There wasn't really, um, there wasn't really that much research about that and how to treat, how do you treat a, a young, a young child with RA that's growing and developing and taking, you know, and then, you know, growing and taking medication at the same time, which was, there wasn't that much medication on the market to begin with. Um, so, I mean, it was just crazy. And then add a, add a learning, at learning disabilities on top of that and going into a school, going into a school system that's not disabled friendly to begin with. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. So anyway, and so basically back, getting back to my notes and all I, all I wanted was to prove that all I wanted was to prove the information that I already knew from my lessons. That's what I wanted to do. And there wasn't really any help with that. So it's crazy. So when I was attending school, there was, you know, like I said, when I was attending school, there was no, there was no internet. There was no support groups. No one ever discussed their child struggling in school publicly. That was very true. I, you know, a few weeks ago, I was talking to my mom about this and she was talking about, yeah, all she ever heard was parents talking about how great their kids were doing in school. And no one was never really talking about, um, a child struggling with reading if they were having or having a problem that, you know, they needed help. It was always done privately behind closed doors. No one ever really went to say, Hey, you know, check out this tutor or try this person or maybe go here. There was none of that, you know, I mean, there was, there was none of that, you know, I even look back now looking back at it. Um, I should have had an IEP when I was in grade school and it should have been mandatory on my IEP that when it came to writing, because knowing that everybody knew that the, you know, have, having an RA was affecting my writing, that there should have been accommodations made for me, but didn't know those. Um, so that was another thing. I mean, th looking back, that's what should have been made, but even as when I was in grade school, but that didn't, that didn't work. That didn't happen for me. Anyway, let's get back to my notes. So people were afraid of the stigma of having a child that wasn't doing well in school. The, you know, these matters were dealt with privately unless the family had influence and money within the community, or if the family wasn't, didn't have money or influence. But if the, if the student was gifted or well-liked by the teachers, the doors of assistance opened. Unless the parent had connections within the community and understood the child's rights in the system, doors of assistance magically opened those, the doors of assistance magically opened to the chosen few. And I seen that a lot. Um, especially when I got in high school, I seen that a lot. Um, yeah. And, you know, another thing too, I don't think I put in my notes. One thing I got really, um, frustrated 
was like the parent, you know, like in grade school when I had parent teacher conferences, you know, the, the teacher would talk to my, to my, to my mother in front of me about some stuff that was not true. And my mother had the sense of like, ask me about it later. But another thing I didn't really like was when my, when my mother wasn't around and the, when I was back in school, the teachers would always make snide remarks or comments like, well, that's your parents' fault or something. And I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm a child, I'm growing, I'm developing and your lack of responsibility and having the tools is not my parents' fault or my fault. And it actually wasn't their fault either. It was the fault of the district, you know, of their policies. But I'm like, blaming, blaming me or blaming my parents was not the answer to the problem. I, I, I heard that so much. I got really tired of that. So anyway, getting back to my notes. So students like me were left to were left to sink or swim. I started drowning in the fourth grade. Even in the third grade, I had signs of sloppy handwriting, but I was able to complete on my complete my work on time, just barely. As long as I was turning in my assignments on time, the teachers didn't care, and that was my third grade teacher didn't care. It was that was like nope. <laughs> at that time so now so now I don't know if some of my now I don't know if some of my teachers reaction was because of me having RA and they just assumed that the RA was affecting my affecting my handwriting which that was true to some extent and it was, and it still does today. And I remember entering the fourth grade and having a hard time expressing my thoughts on paper in a you know, sorry. I remember entering the fourth grade and having a hard time to express my thoughts on paper, a clear sign of dysgraphia and not understanding and not understanding how to use grammar correctly too is also a sign of dysgraphia. So yeah, I was having problems back in the day with grammar. <laughs> yep. So yeah, and so, so continuing on with my notes. So I wanted to point out, I wanted to point out this. I want, sorry, I'm just really tired. I can tell. I wanted to point out in this discussion, I never went up to any of my teachers and said, Hey, I'm having trouble expressing my thoughts on paper. Can you help me? <laughs> no. Uh -uh. And you're probably asking, why didn't I ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. Honestly, I was afraid because I had already been stigmatized twice with having a reading issue in the first grade and then developing and how, you know, later on having a physical disability in the following year. And I had been labeled, and when I and when I've asked for help with it, I was downplayed or just giving enough assistance. And most of the time, I was just left on my own defense for myself to figure it out. So I kind of learned pretty quick that I was on my own, and that 
the teachers would be struggling with me about something. And I'll give you an example. I remember, I think it was in second grade or third grade, that I had learned something and I did really good on it. And a couple of days later, or maybe about a week later, I was like struggling with that again. Cause it was like, you know, you learn something, you add something and you add something. And I don't know if my brain just had a hard time figuring it out. And, and my teacher literally got mad at me and said, well, you knew this part a week ago. What happened? I mean, she got really frustrated with me and started, you know, making snarling remarks, you know, like you're just wanting attention or whatever. And I'm like, no, I don't. It was really hard for me. Like, even when I was a kid, even expressing my own emotions out loud were really hard. I really, I really struggled with that. And I've come to find out recently I should have been in speech therapy. You know. But, you know, it was like really, it was really hard. And I was just like, really? So like, you know, I just felt like everywhere I turned, I was just, when I went to school, I was left to defend for myself and I had just to do the best I could do. And it was just really hard. And then especially being bullied on top of that, that was even worse, but that's a different subject for a different day. Um, yeah, I'll find out later. So anyway, back to my notes. So another thing I like to point out that the aria was starting to get worse when I entered the fourth grade, like I said a, f a few minutes ago, and I had a lot of soreness and stiffness lasting throughout the day. And it per and then then in my previous grade levels. So yeah, normally when <clears throat> when I was in the other when my other grades. I was mostly it was winter time. I was really bad. It was really hard. But I noticed in the fourth grade it was just lingering even into the warmer the warmer days. It all depend. I mean sometimes it was better. Um sometimes like I, I would sometimes it would last all day. And then there were times that like say I'll give an example, even like this. Sometimes I could get up and feel fine in the morning and be okay and then the pain and stiffness would hit in the afternoon or i would wake up and have morning stiffness and be sore and take medication and start moving and it gradually goes away and i get better and a lot of people didn't really understand ra and how my joints was full up i didn't even understand it i was a kid basically everybody told me it was hey do these exercises and take these pills and you'll be fine I mean, my parents didn't say that, but the medical, you know, the medical, you know, my doctors, the medical community was telling me that. And I was like, that's just totally nonsense. And, you know, even adults had it worse, too, but it was just one of those things. So, anyway. So I do believe that the a, the RA had some effect on my handwriting, but it still and it still does today. But I what I get upset about is in the fourth grade the teacher saw me struggling and knew there was something wrong and never bothered to explain to my parents that I could get that I could have received special 
accommodations was in the classroom because I had RA. I was, yeah, I'm still mad. Yeah, it was one of the things I still get irritated about. Even my previous teachers never said a word to my parents about receiving special accommodations in the classroom. If my parents, my parents had a medical diagnosis and why I couldn't move very well. And no one in the school system explained my rights as a child slash student with a disability within the school system to my parents. So yeah, this is one reason why I, when I talk about advocating, you need to understand your rights and you need to speak up. Um, if you don't, they're not going to do it for you. And I, I keep hearing the same argument even today as parents, especially with kids with learning, with learning, with children with learning issues. And they're trying to receive a diagnosis or trying to receive combinations or trying to get the school system to provide what their child needs and they still struggle. I mean, this is still going on today. This is totally ridiculous. So anyway, back to my notes. So there are, there are, you know, teachers are the first ones to diagnose students with some sort of learning challenges because the teachers work with the students eight hours a day, which is very true. And I see, hold on. Okay. And this is very true. I mean, I think we have to understand when it comes to, um, learning issues you know there are things that the teachers work you know you see your child whether it's a private or public school system school doesn't really they're the ones that work with the child and they understand that there could be an issue and they should have the skill set or whatever to be able to help the parents to navigate the system to get the child get the student proper help and you know that's what needs to change and I think yeah so yeah I'll be talking yeah I just seen I talk about my next page in my notes but you know that's that's the thing and I think we have to understand this as a society you know this you know this is where students you know children spend a lot of their time is at school and within the school district you know within the school you know, it's a funny, you know, I remember going back in school, going to school and because I wore glasses, that, that was another thing too. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with a lazy eye when I was in school, when I was a youngster. And no, that does not have any effect on why I'm just, dysgraphia. it's a fun, my brain does not process language right. So, I remember, you know, they started testing every year at the beginning of the school year, you know, we'd reach certain grade levels. We would um, be tested about our eyesight and our hearing, too. I remember that one year they were doing our hearing. And they were testing it because, I don't know, because they were wanting to make sure that kids could stay at the chalkboard. And they would do this every so many grades, or if a student... Or, you know, if a student was struggling with not seeing the board or whatever, they, the teacher would send, would send down the nurse. And I remember one year, 
I got sent down to the nurse's station because one of my teachers complained I wasn't able to stay the board. And that was not true. And the nurse really got really um, upset with my parents because they hadn't took me to the eye doctor. Uh, I, I had been in the eye doctor pre the previous and got my glasses changed or something. And 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 I was like this and that and I told and I, I don't remember I don't know if it was ever documented in my records or not but I told the nurse that I had a lazy eye and I there was that particular eye I couldn't see it very well and that I was one of the reasons why I was wearing glasses it was actually the main reason I was wearing glasses and the hope was the eye doctor was hoping that the eye would wake up and you know work and all that and to get it stronger and help him with the glasses. That was the thinking back in the day for lazy eyes. And so I had to sit. I couldn't be sit in the back because I had a hard time seeing. I always had a difficult time seeing um, stuff far away. And I always asked if I could sit up front, you know, and teachers would want to put you in alphabetical order and I'd always end in the, uh, in the back and I couldn't be in the back for when I got distracted because of ADD and stuff like that and I really had a hard time struggling with sitting in, sitting in the back and and so so my so this nurse was like early carrying on about but the lazy eye thing and all this and the glasses and actually was roundabout way of saying well I didn't really have a lazy eye I was like really so my parents ended up taking me back to the eye doctor to get retested and so my eye doctor asked me why was I back and I told him and I said I have trouble seeing the backboard when I sit far away and he says, well, you shouldn't be sitting far away. So, and write all this stuff. I mean, document. And after that, it was, after that, it was actually in my school record. It was really a pain in the butt. And the reason I, you know, I talk about this and I'm like, okay, they, they do this for eyes. And they also do a hearing test. Well, they did a couple of times. They did a hearing test, you know, make sure kids could hear. And I'm like, they were testing back in the day for the physical stuff, you know, to make sure a child could see and hear ever so often just to make sure. And I'm like, why can't they test children for learning issues? It was, it's just crazy. It's, I mean, I, I, I saw that. I was like, alrighty. So, I mean, they were aware that children have issues and they can't, you know, if they're having a learning issue, then they can't learn, you know. I mean, well, they can't learn, but, I mean, if they're having, let me, let me back up here. If a child is having, a, you know, if a child can't see or hear properly, then they know the child's going to have a learning issue. They can't, you know, understand so if a child doesn't have it so my saying okay you get the child's testing done for hearing or you know hearing and seeing then the next point is 
then if the child is still having, or student I should say, is still having an issue about learning, then why isn't the next step getting the child tested? I mean, this is my whole thing. I mean, it's like, come on. It's like, seriously, this is just ridiculous. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just really tired. Uh, so the system doesn't, okay, so getting back to the thing, you know, the teachers does not, the, te the system does not give the teachers the proper training and support, the tools that they need to work with students who have learning issues. That needs to change. That is very true. Um, some school districts handle better than others. Some teachers know more than other teachers, which is always the case. I mean, with any professional. <coughs> But you know, if you know, to me, if a teacher is expecting, you know, a child, she has a student in her class that is not comprehending the lessons like the other students, and they get the hearing and the eyesight checked out, and everything's fine, then the next step needs to be, well, are we dealing with some type of, you know, as a student dyslexic? <sighs> <sighs> So, you know, I have talked about in my past po podcast that I've never been clinically diagnosed with dysgraphia, and I have diagnosed myself due to my own research and the characteristics of a person having dysgraphia. For example, I have trouble expressing my thoughts on paper, not using the proper grammar, grammar and punctuation, and having sloppy or ineligible handwriting. Yeah, my, sometimes my handwriting is worse than the doctor's. And I have remembered having, you know, all these traits since I can remember. Yeah, I, it's just it's hard. You know, and if you have heart, I mean, let's just, let's just take out the expressing the thoughts and the grammar. I mean, if you can express your thoughts and have proper grammar skills, you know, but if your handwriting is ineligible and it can't be read, then you're not going to be able to to prove to the teachers what you know about homework, you know, but the lessons that you learn. I mean, basically, you know, we have to look at it this way. Reading material, when we read something, we're taking, we're inputting the information to our brain. And writing, you know, writing, you know, our thoughts or telling somebody what we know on a piece of paper, especially to a teacher in a homework assignment, is, you know, output you know is our output you know it's the same way like if I was working in Microsoft Word and I'm writing a story blah 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 you know and I'm like uploading the information into Microsoft Word and then if I wanted a hard copy I would print it out and that's the same way with reading writing skills so you know that's just the way it works Anyway, so when I so I'm going on with my notes, so when I was an adult, I was finally re I finally received an evaluation by a psychiatrist for my dyslexia, and when it was evaluated, I asked them about my writing skills, and I was basically told I needed to read more to to improve my writing skills. So what I have so what I learned that day is not all professionals understand dyscra you know dyslexia and dysgraphia. 
And once again, it was up for me to find the solutions and the combinations that worked best. Worked worked best for me in an able-bodied society. Whoops, didn't mean to do that. So that's very true. And this was, I would say, about 20 years, 25 years ago. Not not everybody understood that, and even even at that time, the technology was just coming on on the market, and it wasn't very good at the time either. But it was better than nothing. And so, I mean, this is you know, if you want to get a child evaluated, you have to understand, you have to ask questions, you have to advocate for yourself and and for your child. I learned that one over the last few days. Excuse me. So, yeah. So, continuing on with my notes. So, even in the... Even in the... Alright. Dyslexia moment. Even in the dyslexic community, the main focus has always been on reading, which really, in some ways, very really so. That is why I, that, that is why I, that's why it, that's why I am talking about dysgraphia, because I know that I am not the only one who struggles to write clearly to get my thoughts across to others in the written format. Patience, not patience, sorry. Parents, educators, and professionals, and other dyslexics need to know about area. There are many dyslexics struggling with expressing their thoughts and have sloppy handwriting and making and making it and making it hard to prove what they know on paper. That is very true. And I was one for very many years. Well, I knew I had a problem. I just didn't know. I knew. See about me, I knew I had a problem since I was in the fourth grade that I had a hard time expressing my thoughts on paper. And I didn't understand why, and I was trapped behind this invisible layer, invisible barrier, which I've talked about previous episodes. And and now it was because of excuse me, describe area. So yeah, so let's go back to my notes. So this is what happened to me once I entered the fourth grade. The invisible barrier came came into play, making it difficult to prove what I knew and making it hard to prove what I knew to my teachers about what I had studied. As mentioned in previous podcasts, I could, you know, I could easily explain my answer orally to the teacher. And then my teacher would would say, "You need to write what you just, you know, what you just said on on your piece of paper." And by that time, I would go back to my seat and I would forget what I have said. And and lots of times I didn't know how to. If I did remember, lots of times I didn't know how to express myself on the piece of paper which caused friction between me and my teacher on certain subjects and I didn't get as good as grades that I could should I I should have received so okay what when I talk about losing my train of thought I didn't realize it back until I've done some more studying that was when the ADD was affecting me too it was like I had 
um, sometimes I would, my short-term memory wouldn't work as well when I was a kid. So, like, you, people would tell me something, and I would, sometimes it didn't get into the right place in my brain. So I was also dealing with that, too, besides being, you know, the other stuff. But if I remember, but there was times I remember what I wanted to say, and I would just look at the piece of paper and go, how do I say that? And then I would say it, and then I would have racing thoughts, and I, my, my hand would try to keep up with me, and it just didn't. It was just, it was just a struggle. So let me talk about that. I, I still deal with that when I was an adult. When I started wanting to write professionally so many years ago, that was one of the problems I had. My thoughts would race, and I didn't have time to write them all down. And I would write, and I would write the best that I could. And then I would get stuck in a word I didn't know how to spell, or I didn't know how to express a thought, or I was trying to write a complete sentence, and I didn't know how to write a long sentence. I would write a short sentence. You know, and so I was seeing this wonderful tapestry play out before my eyes. And then I was writing, Henry ran down the street scared. <laughs> I just like, eh. You know, instead of, you know, Henry was running for his life down the busy intersection, scared that the monster in his mind was chasing him, you know, like was trying to get him. Something like that. I'm just paraphrasing. But you see the difference when I said <clears throat> and to be honest at times when I am rough you know writing a rough draft I still use very short sentences and I'll just look at them like yeah okay you know if I have a character going she's running for her life I would go this is where I need to add a lot more details in my comment you know for you know I would write in my comic section in Skibner and going add more detail here <laughs> reminder to self you know, and I do, and I go back and go, I look at, then I look at back all the information that I have written in that particular scene, what's going on, what's the character motivation, what did you find, you know, what's going on, you know, why is she running, why is she scared, you know, and I put all that in play, and from, like, I may have, like, ten sentences on one, one sentence in going, and in time I get done with the editing, I'm up to maybe about a hundred. You know, but sometimes my brain just, when I'm writing down information or writing down a story or whatever, sometimes my brain doesn't always want to give me all the information or I just can't. Or sometimes I get to that point, like, yeah, I'll just come back to it later. That's why they call it editing. And that's what I do. You know, that's why I, this is why I say that I I have dysgraphia because I read articles on it and I hear the characteristics and go, yeah, that's me. Totally. I just need to get evaluated <laughs> professionally. But, you know, that's, that's how I write. And I'm, you know, and some people ask me like, are, are you, you know, why aren't you, you know, ashamed? Are you ashamed or are you scared? that other people will know about it. Well, the way I answer this question is, if you see my handwriting, you know there's something wrong. Um, if I ever message a person privately or write an email and I forget to edit myself, oh, you're definitely going to know it. Um, and sometimes, ever so often, I don't say something right. 
Um, but my people I, I that I chat that know me pretty well will just um, just will just kind of like okay they'll just go with it. And if it's something they don't really understand, they'll go like, "What are you trying to say here?" And I'll read back on, like, "Oh my goodness," you know. I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you a funny, I'll give you a funny thing that happened. I was laughing about this. Um, I was the other day. I was nailing something, and it was my. F it's been a while since I nailed something in the wall, but I was hammering away and I was nailing something. And so I was telling my friend about it. And, and I read back what I said, and I said I was hammering a tail. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I didn't catch it because I've been really stressed and I've not been feeling good. And so when I edited it, I just didn't catch it. I just sent it. I, had, I did read it, but I didn't catch what I said. And then later on, after a couple hours later, I went back and I read what I said. What I, I read what I'd written, and... I was laughing because instead of tail, I used nail. I, you know, I was supposed to use nail, and I used tail instead. And I was just laughing. I thought that was so funny. But there, there are things like that. Now, why did I use tail? Did I try to spin, you know, nail? Did you know that the software I used just decided that I was going to use tail? Because sometimes um, the prediction software will use the wrong word and I don't know if that happened or not or if I accidentally hit T and like, oh I'll use that word that looks good that does happen but it's one of those things that you know even you using the wrong word it can change your whole sentence around you know but you know my friend was gracious enough to understand that I was I just used the wrong word and she just substituted in my yeah. and I caught it and I fixed it and she said she knew what I meant. But I still fix it because it's just me training my brain. Like, yeah, I used the wrong word. Like, yeah, I, you know, I saw that. You know, and that's just part of having this criteria. Sometimes I use the wrong words. Or sometimes I don't use the right punctuation. Or sometimes my sentences just need to be a little bit more, uh, you know, easier to read sometimes. You know, it's one of those things, and it's just it's just the way it is. You know, if it's just but if you wanted to sit down and meet and like tell me, the thing about it is, if you tell me I had to write you a letter with pen and paper, <laughs> and this is my response. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> That's basically my response. <laughs> Good luck with that one. There you go. That's my response. Good luck with that. You're gonna, for one, you're gonna be waiting for a long time, and two, you're not gonna hardly be able to read it. And don't ask me to come back and read it because it says I can't read my handwriting either. <coughs> oh gosh, darn it! <coughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, dealing with a sinus infection. My life has just been crazy last couple of weeks. Side note here, I'm going off ADD track. You know, I get really tired of having all these medical issues around the holidays. I would like for once 
to have a nice relaxing holiday of Thanksgiving and Christmas and not have to worry about medical issues. Like, only thing I have to worry about is not getting sick. Like, catching a cold. Oh. But anyway, I think, guys. <laughs> uh. Anyway. Now, I am still here and I'm kicking and I'm grateful for that. I just, I'm human and I also get tired of things too. Anyway, getting back to my subject. Sorry, ADD, Sarah, I know I went off script. <sighs> I'm just, anyway. So back to my notes, you know, and as I got older and when I entered, you know, as I got older and entered junior high and high school, the invisible barrier became an invisible wall and I found myself not keeping up with the work. And it just became really difficult to prove what I knew and what I didn't know. And always, re and, you know, always had to review, reviewing things that I already knew, that I already learned. That was one thing I got really um, frustrated as I got older, especially with my teachers. Um, it's just part of the way, you know, teachers, you know, teach. And one of the reasons why I don't like people repeating things that I already know, because I'm like, I already know this. Why are you telling me this? Um, because that was one of the things that my teachers said was like always repeating, always repeating and always repeating and never letting me tell them what I knew and what I didn't know. And it was really, it was really frustrating. And it was it's one of the reasons why it's one of my pet peeves about people repeating themselves like, three different times. I was like, you've said the same thing to me three different times. You think I'm, eh? you know, it gets on my nerves really easily. So, you know, that's just one of those things, you know, but that's what the, one of the tools that teachers that use is, you know, preposition, you know, reviewing stuff, you know, like wanting to make sure, you know, it was just really hard. I mean, it was hard on me. It was hard on my teachers as well. I mean, it wasn't easy, but we did, you know, I somehow made it through. But anyway, getting back to my notes. So, so how did I improve my writing skills? You know, once I, you know, how, you know, that's a really good question. You know, I was thinking about that question when I was writing my notes. It's like, well, how did I improve my writing skills? Because I have really improved my writing skills. You know, so basically, part of my answer is this, is once I understood the area and how it affected me on an individual basis, I was able to find accommodations, you know, that worked for me. And also, technology in the last few years has really upped its game and improved. You know, technology right now is has been a really game changer. If I had this 10 or 15 years ago, it would, I would be in a different, I would be in a different place right now in my life because if I had that, but I didn't. And the technology that was coming out was not anything like today's. It was just in this infancy and it just did not struggle. It struggled to keep up with my brain. I mean, it helped. But it just didn't really surprise, it didn't provide the support that I needed at that particular time. Now, today's technology, oh yes, it's a major game changer. Totally. So, 
Um, so another thing, well, my next thing in my notes is, you know, just like having good reading skills, you need to have combinations. To have good writing skills requires an understanding of grammar and punctuation and accommodations and a strong commitment of practicing writing skills how to and learn how to express yourself and and how okay and require a good listening ear okay yeah very true so let me tell you how I edit and this is always changing but I'll tell you what I what I use in my editing skills is I use dictation I also use uh, playback on Microsoft Word where they have it where you can listen to your own what you written on paper also I have as pieces I have software that plays you know text-to-speech and I've developed my listening ear and by developing my listening ear I listen to audiobooks um, or I if I'm reading a book with narration I'll read it narration and study how the writer is formatting words and how it plays and developing my ear so that way when it comes to my work when I'm editing something and want to make it certain you know to hear my mistakes because that's how I catch my mistakes um, I have a hard time reading and catching mistakes I have to have I have to listen to it um, as I've gotten developing my ear and developing my editing I can catch my small mistakes in my writing not always but most of the time I can I would say about 95% of the time I can unless I'm stressed out or I don't feel good that's a different story but so yeah. So how I develop my listening ear is by listening to audiobooks and narration reading when I'm reading I'm sorry, I just can't. Yeah. By listening to audiobooks and narration when reading an ebook e has developed my editing ear, which I that's what I call it because it has helped me when I need to listen to my own work, I can figure out what's going on. But using okay using dictation you know using you know using this sorry using dictation to express my thoughts instead of writing or typing has greatly improved my writing process and has allowed me to express my thoughts more clearly by saying them early instead of doing it instead of doing it mentally which is true now, you know, I have to say some <coughs> sometimes when I'm editing, um, when I'm writing, just when I'm just fully writing the story, yeah, I'm just talking to it. But when I'm editing, sometimes I'll use the keyboard and dictation too, depending on what I'm doing. Because sometimes I have to slow, I have sometimes I have to slow down my thoughts a little bit, and using the keyboard will do that. Especially if I'm working on a particular moment in a scene, I'll do that. But most of the time, I'm using dictation, you know, making sure. And then um, I use for, when I check my editing, I use uh, Writing Aid, uh, Writing Aid, Writing Aid Pro Software. I forget what I use, but I use something to help me check my grammar. 
when I'm working on my iPad, it's Grammarly. Um, so I have different softwares that help me check for grammar issues. But the best thing to do is just from me listening to it to see when I miss, you know, because I. When I miss in the grammar, sometimes, you know, I use sometimes wrong commas to put commas in the right place. Once in a while, I have a fragment or a, a run-on sentence. Very rarely do I have those anymore, but every so often I do. Uh, I would say more that's when I'm, like, first draft, but not when I get into the... I start getting into my second draft. You know, I do that stuff. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Lost my thought. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, that's what I use. You know, I just sit down. It's just, I have to be in a certain mind frame to, to edit. And, you know, when, when you're writing a story or working on a, on a novel, is like when you're editing, I'm like editing a certain piece now and I have to think about where the where this particular scene is at in my book and what the what the reader will know so far what they when they get to this particular scene, what they will know what happened before the scene and then if I want to do any foreshadowing what's coming up in the future chapters. And I have to think about when I'm editing where does where does this go? And I was actually thinking the other day on this particular scene that I'm writing right now. Well, I'm not writing, but editing. You know, I I might move it in a different... I've been thinking about it. I might want to move it into a different part of the story. I may want to move it up and then start. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Like, I ask these questions when I'm editing. It's like, is this a good spot? You know, I'm asking myself the question. And I'm like, well, I don't really have an answer. But, you know, it might be a good thing to think about so I don't know it's just one of those things and it's you know I, I it's only a question that I can answer yeah and it's something I'm like I, I made a note of it mentally I, I need to write it down somewhere in my notes for that particular story do I need this to move these these this particular chapter you know in the beginning of, you know in the beginning of my novel instead of having it where it's at would that work better I don't know It's one of those things, I don't know. It's just, it's important. It needs to be in my story. It needs to be in my story, but where it comes, where it needs to be in the location of the book, I don't know. Um, so right now, I'm just focusing on how to make it better and more interesting. And, you know, when you sit down and read it, you're going to, you know, hopefully love it. But it's one of those things. So anyway, back to my notes. So, you know, another thing was for me, understanding my grammar errors that I, the ones I constantly make, you know, if there, you know, I learn that there's ones that I always make. It doesn't, I don't care what anybody tells me, I'm just going to make them and I've learned to look for them, you know, and then if there are things that I don't understand about grammar, I look them up, you know, I educate myself on again, you know. It's just one of those things. So. So, you know, another thing too, I really, you know, sometimes I, people meme, 
but I've heard this like, well, maybe you should. No, I don't need to take another course in in grammar or you know in grammar or writing. You know, I <laughs> I just don't. You know, I I get really tired of it because I sometimes I get that and it's just like, yeah, I've thought about it. For one, I really don't have the money to learn something I already learned, and it's somewhere in my brain. That's not really going to help me. I understand why you're saying that. I get it. But it's like, no. I'm not going to sit here and, and take course after course after course. And, and my grammar still hasn't changed. Um, you know. You know, I know what I need and I just can't afford what I need. What I need is, you know, to hire somebody and go help me with my writing skills and, and a little bit more for editing purposes. You know, but I don't have the money right now to do that. You know, and what I know what I need and I know what I have to do and you know, and the best thing for me to do is just sometimes just to sit down and write and just figure it out on myself. It's it's one of those things, you know, I'm grateful sometimes this seek or swim policy that I learned because sometimes as an adult, it's like one of those things you do or you don't. <laughs> anyway. So, getting back to my notes. I think the biggest thing that's really that's helped me with my writing and grammar, learning about the editing processes, is just practicing writing on a daily basis. Has been the biggest and most helpful. And at, and at the same time, the most challenging as well. And that is very true. When I write anything, whether if I'm writing a message or text to, to a friend or a family member or writing a blog post or writing a tweet on Twitter, you know, you know, I'm, I'm always editing and I have to edit because I have to be understood. And, you know, if I have something that's full of mistakes or grammar mistakes or don't sound right, people are not going to read it. Or they're not going to understand it. And that's just the way it is. And so I learned to practice that. And that by practicing that, it's helped me come editing my book to do much better with that. So that's been a blessing. You know, that's just the way it is. So getting back to my notes. So when it comes to dealing with the scrap year, there's, no, there's really no magic cure or solution. It's about finding out what works for the student, what combination works, and just putting in the hard work and practicing writing skills on a daily basis. Yes. You know, if you're like me and you have the scrappy area, you're probably thinking, no, I don't want to write every day. You, you need to write a little bit and learn to self-edit. <coughs> you know... You know, I was reading this article. It was talking about, you know, students with area, and I need to find it again. I think I put it up on my Facebook page. Oh. Excuse me. They were talking about that, and they were talking about how it affects at different grade levels, and I was reading that. I was like, yeah, that was all me. And they also made the point towards the end that even though that the student has the scrap area and struggles, they also need to learn how to how to express themselves in the written format as well because there's going to be in cases like going to the doctor's office 
are filling out paperwork, they're not going to be able to have the combinations for them that they need to do it. And they have to learn to read how to express themselves on, you know, using a piece of paper, pen and paper. And I totally agree with that because I've learned that with my own experiences that when I go to the doctor's office and I'm filling out paperwork, which they gave me paperwork and you got to fill it in. You know, there's times you have to do that. You have to fill it out. You know, you know, there's times that life does require you to, in our society, to, to write down your thoughts on a piece of paper and use a mint. And you have to have those skills ready to go. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those things. So anyway, in closing, you know, my best advice, if you expect uh, suspect your child or student that may have, you know, discapacity. It, you know, it's best to have that child evaluated by a professional who understands the discapacity and who and provide the proper combinations recommendations for that student. And I totally agree with that. That is my best advice. If somebody asked me today came up to me and was told, you know, telling me about their, their child or a teacher was telling me about their student, that would be my suggestion. Just find a place in the area, which I'd actually know a place now, but I would just say, look for an organization or a place that understands dyslexia and dysgraphia area and has a child evaluated and then go from there. You know, you need you know, and if it's a parent, I would say get them evaluated, get everything, you know, and then get into the IEP plan and make sure that your child will receive the combinations that they need to be successful in their school career. And, you know, I would say one thing, if I had got the proper combinations as a kid, just even for the RA, I think my grades would have been a whole lot better. I think stuff would have been seen what was exactly going on that's my opinion but that just never really happened for me and so it's left me struggling to do to to excuse me to get where i'm at today sorry i'm in i'm in a lot of pain i can tell it's affected me so anyway it's just um a lot of different things so, yeah, I think I want to end it here because I'm just, so I'm just having brain fog and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> my brain's like, no, we're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> it's like, we're done. Anyway. <clears throat> so, okay, I want to end it here and I appreciate um, you fi- listening to me and I hope, as always, this was helpful. And I wanted to get this done for October because October was dyslexia dyslexia month, but that just didn't happen. That wasn't that wasn't in the will of God. So anyway, I hope this is helpful. Like I said, if you expect your teacher or your grandparent or parent, and you expect your child is having symptoms of dysgraphia or you know there's something wrong, get your child evaluated, and don't take no for an answer be the advocate be the advocate I, I learned that in the last couple of weeks be the advocate because 
you have to find out what you, you know like i said reading is the intake of information and writing is the outtake and you know and you have to understand how the curriculum is set up that reading you know the child reads to learn the information and writing is is displaying what the child knows and understands about what they're learning in the classroom or what they're learning in a book and if a child can't articulate themselves on paper very well then they're not they're not going to make the grades and they're going to struggle and they may they may be like me learning the same information over and over again which they already know Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things. And so we have to get this stuff straight, you know, you know, the child needs to get evaluated. I mean, I mean, even if you're an adult like me, and sometimes we all need to get reevaluated again just to see what's exactly going on. And it's, there's no shame in that either. So, yeah, that's my advice. If you expect, you know, if you suspect that there's some type of learning the issue then go get the recommendations and get you know get tested get evaluated and just don't take no for an answer because a child only gets one childhood and there's only an open time for the child well, I don't know what I'm saying but you know a child gets one childhood and it would make you know getting diagnosed would make things easier and you would know how to deal with the challenges because there's challenges in life even as an adult and it's just a lot easier when you have the right combinations and learn and learn and show what you know and actually what you know and what you don't know instead of the teacher playing the guessing game so Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and leave uh, close to that, and I will go into my closing my closing segment, and I will see you guys there. Toodles! Alrighty, well, I want to say thank you for listening. Um, I, this one was kind of hard to the tape today and I appreciate that you stick with me this far and listen and I hope the information I provided was helpful and I would appreciate it too I'd also ask too in closing um, if you are a person that play, that believes in the power of prayer as this time I could really use all the prayers that I can get I don't know if I said that in my opening or not like I said brain fog is a killer um, I've got some issues going on and I really need um guidance about my next steps what i may have to be facing and i would really appreciate that and like i said tonight i may not sound like myself just i'm just in a lot of pain and i'll be talking about that later in a future podcast but not right now i'm just seeing what's going to happen so I was, like I said, I'm going to try to keep doing these podcasts. I'll be working on, I don't know if it's going to be a continuous like I used to about every week, but I'm going to try to do something. Um, try to get back in the rhythm. I'm just trying to get some things settled down. I just, the last couple of weeks have been just chaotic in my life. Um, just different things going on and just 
I just, <laughs> I need a vacation from my medical issues. That's not going to happen, but you know, it's basically how I feel like at this point. But it is what it is, and I'll get through it. But yeah, I can just tell. And also, one thing I want to talk about too before I go into my closing closing thoughts is if you notice that sometimes I just couldn't speak right or I just lost words or I just if I wasn't myself to be honest when I don't feel good this is another thing too when I don't feel good or if I'm in a lot of pain like I am tonight I have troubling expressing myself even verbally sometimes I don't know what it is. It's I don't know if it's just stress or whatever. Um, I can actually feel my muscles tightening up in my jaw too. Um, it's just really crazy. I, I even noticed that when I was a child, um, when I wasn't feeling good, I had a hard time reading and I had a hard time expressing myself verbally and writing too. Writing was the worst. And I made a lot of, I would make a lot of grammar mistakes, a lot of punctuation mistakes stuff like that. I had a hard time sometimes reading material. It's just like my brain doesn't, there's a part of my brain that just sometimes when it shuts, wants to shut down and I try to make it work and it's just like I'm fighting against that invisible barrier and it's just like it's just there and it's just like popping up in sections and I'm just like seriously we're doing this again? You know, and then there's days that, you know, it's it's easier. But there's, like, I can really tell when I am not feeling my 100%. And today I'm about at 80%. So, you know, I can just really feel it. And there's times when I'm really sick. I don't even do any writing or doing editing. Stuff like that. So, you know... It's just been, it's just been crazy. And like I said, the last couple of weeks have been really crazy. And I just, and I really don't know um, what's, what's going to happen. But I, what I do know is that um, the Lord will provide a way. He's already made the way. I just need to follow the path. And, and that's what I can do right now. And just express my emotions when I need to. And that's what I've been doing. So anyway. So I'm going to close it here. I don't want to ramble on and, and do another hour segment. So like I said, I appreciate you guys uh, listening for the you know for the whole segment. I The whole episode. I appreciate that. And as always, you can check out my blog post at alexandermars.com. You can hit the contact and send me an email if you choose. I'll definitely get it. Um, if you feel brave enough, you can send me an email directly at alexandermarsthewriter at aol.com. You can catch me on Twitter. Um, my handle is amstorytelling. And then as always, I'm on Facebook, Alexander Mars. I'm there. And so, yeah, um, I'm planning to be more active this week on on my platforms again. I've not, I have not given up on my platforms. It's just, I've just had a lot of things going. And so I'm trying to figure out 
with this new development going on in my life, how do I put this, how do I handle this with, within my uh, regular routines? So I'm trying to figure all this stuff out and it's just like er, frustrating. But it is what it is and I will find out what it, I will deal with it the best way I know how and, and I'll get back. So until then, I will, you know, I appreciate you guys listening and I'm going to cut it down before I keep babbling even some more. So I'm going to end it from here and I will see you guys later. Toodles! Oh, and by the way, have a great Thanksgiving. Toodles!